On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, we continue our player projections for next season, looking at defenseman Quinn Hughes and how the young stud defenseman can transform into becoming one of the NHL's elite. And also, no more trade pontification, no more JT Miller speculation. Today, we're going to dive into the Pacific Division and see who is the cream of the crop as currently constructed. It is Locked On Canucks on a Tuesday, July the 16th, and it starts right now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Hooney. You can find me at Twitter at underscore process sports. You can find our show on Twitter at Locked On Canucks. Also, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Your gratitude and following has been much appreciated throughout this growth of the show. Also, I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast services. As I mentioned in that open, no JT Miller trade talk today. No this and that, you know, pontificating where he should go. Who can they get in return? I've, we've all heard all of that. I'm thinking, I'm, I've turned my mind now looking forward to the next season. And if this Canucks roster as currently constructed comes back in September, how do they stack up against the Pacific Division? So I'll be going through each team in the Pacific Division, comparing how the Canucks stack up to them. And at the end, I will determine where the Canucks will finish next season in the Pacific Division. Kind of, you know, you got that. But first, we're going to continue on with our player projections. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Quinn Hughes. Now, we all know Quinn Hughes is a very good defenseman, offensive defenseman. The guy put up 68 points last year, breaking a Canucks franchise record. He had 60 6-0 assists this last season in 76 games for a total, as I mentioned, 68 points. Of course, had the explosive regular for his first year. Um, so when I look at Quinn Hughes, he has a lot of good things going for him. A lot of good things going for him. Stuff that, you know, he's got, I've, you've heard me go on this show and say um, all these things about how you need to skate. I need defensemen that want to skate. I need defensemen that want to, um, I mean, I want defensemen who can move the puck. Well, Quinn Hughes can check all those boxes with exceeding expectations. Quinn Hughes can skate with the best of any defense. Not on a Kale McCarr level, but I would say on the level right below that, he can skate with the best of them from the back end. He can move the puck. He's got a shot. He can quarterback a power play. We know how good Quinn Hughes is. You know, he just signed a six-year extension, but quite frankly, if he continues on this projection, could surpass. It could look like a bargain for the Canucks for years to come. Um, when I think about Quinn Hughes, it, he's a very good offensive defenseman. Is he a complete defenseman like Kale McCarr or Victor Hedman? No. Can he grow into that? Potentially, but I don't see Quinn Hughes' skill set 
being with the likes of a Roman Yossi um, or a Victor Hedman or a Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is in the league of his own, so we'll leave Kale McCarr. But can Quinn Hughes become a top 10 defenseman in the NHL? That is the question. And that is what the Canucks fans are hoping. Can Quinn Hughes take that next step from being a very good young defenseman in this league? And let's face it, D-man take a bit of time to develop. But can Quinn Hughes take that next step from being a very good offensive defenseman to just being a very, very good defenseman? Um, there's a lot of stuff he can improve on. And he even said that. Um, he could. He said he could score more goals, which I would like to see him shoot the puck. Again, it's kind of, you know, you look at that first unit power play, you've got shooters, Miller, uh, Patterson, Miller, and Besser, including him. Um, he, you know, led all defensemen in scoring. Um, he, of course, you know, he is that guy. But I don't think when I look at him, I want to see Quinn Hughes, that's the least person, take that next step in becoming more of a leader on this team. Um, I want to see him take ownership of this franchise because he's going to be around here for the long term, just like Elias Patterson. I want to see Quinn Hughes take more of a step in the locker room, but also I want to see him get bigger. Not, not saying he has to play physical, but just the ability to ward off checks and be stronger on his skates. And um, I want to see him, you know, do the best. I want to see him develop his game furthermore is what I'm trying to basically say here. Um, I think people need to stop getting away with the comparisons to uh, Kale McCarr. Uh, as we all remember, um, when they're from rookie years, people were comparing their neck and neck in the Calder Trophy, and Kale McCarr has kind of taken that next step. Uh, I don't see Quinn Hughes' talent. Um, while his ceiling is very high, it's not on a Kale McCarr level. It's not on a Victor Hedman level. But can he be you know, like an Adam Fox, who won a Norris Trophy? I think Quinn Hughes can definitely be Adam Fox. I think... Uh, well, I was looking at a tweet the other day. I think Quinn Hughes and Adam Fox have the same amount of points and the same amount of games, really. So Quinn Hughes can definitely be an elite offensive defenseman. And I think going to next year, he can definitely make that leap to become, you know, a 70-point defenseman. Now, the problem is, who does he play with? You know, of course, a lot of other defensemen, these top-ranked defensemen, have a luxury of playing with a, a solid guy. And although we like Luke Shen and we think he's, you know, a good NHL defense, NHL defenseman, he's not a top pairing guy. You're not going to ask Luke Shen to roll out there and play 20 plus minutes like you would for Quinn Hughes. So that is the question that always will be answered. It's kind of like the Sedin, who's their lineman going to be? It might be getting to that point, or who is Bo Horvat going to, who Bo Horvat's winger is going to be? Uh, I want to see the Canucks find a guy who can be paired with uh, Quinn Hughes, like, um, you know, Josh Manson was playing with Kale McCarr. Um, so when I look at Quinn Hughes' next season, I project the points will be there, barring health. I, you know, he'll score his, you know, eight to 15 goals, potentially have his, uh, you know, 50 to 60 assists, uh, and probably hover around that 65 to 70 point range, start logging more minutes. Um, and you'll start seeing the evolution of just how, you know, he's such a smooth skater at, at that stature. He can handle the puck. He, he has all the offensive toolboxes to be an elite offensive defenseman. But on the defensive side, I want to see him, you know, take another step forward and, you know, becoming more of a calming influence on his end um, and just continue to evolve in the locker room. I think him and Pedersen both this upcoming season have to take that next step into becoming leaders of this team because the future revolves around them. So 
That is what I predict for Quinn Hughes. It's nothing but success. I do see an all-star game birth, multiple all-star game births in him and Elias Pedersen's future. So Quinn Hughes, like I said, continuing on putting up offensive numbers. Uh, the defensive side, I want to see an improvement on and also more leadership. So that is that for Quinn Hughes for our player projections. Tomorrow, we will dive into another prominent defenseman on the Canucks back end. Uh, but next, we're going to get to the meat and the potatoes of this episode us diving into the pacific division and predicting who will win it how the canucks stack up to each team so stick around but first i want to talk to you guys about the fine folks at betonline.net which is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting odds Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sporting wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay. So, we are back. We're going to be diving into our NHL Pacific Division. Way too early. Way, 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 way too early predictions uh, today. Um, And we're going to start from the top. So, we're going to go from the team that finished first to the team that finished last. So, first, of course, is the team that's been in the news oh so much over the last couple days. The Calgary Flames, who, of course... Just traded Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Wieger. And he also a first-round pick in 2025. They also lost Eric Branson. And, of course, they lost Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, who left 15 million bucks on the table to play in Columbus, Ohio. So as it currently constructs, they have Huberdeau on a one-year deal. Uh, remaining will be a free agent at the end of the year. They still have Michael Backlund, Milan Lucic, Blake Coleman, Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli, Dylan Dubé, Trevor Lewis, and Andrew Mangiapane, who is still an RFA. Offense, I think, will be a bit of an issue this year for Calgary. Defense, of course, you have Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, Mackenzie Wieger. And, you ha- and then, of course, you have Jacob Markstrom in. Net Vesna finalist Jacob Markstrom, and the way I see this team shaking down is this: Will they be the powerful, dominant Calgary Flames that we saw last year? The team that won 50 games? I don't think so. When you lose two big pieces like that, that were so embarked in the franchise and in that city, um, and they leave, yes, you have Jonathan Huberto back, but this is a new city for him. This is going to be a new form. Florida was all he knew. It It's going to be difficult to ask again. Will he have a good year? Sure, he'll have a good year. But he's not going to have a, a good year he had last year on a Florida team that was an offensive juggernaut in the regular season. Yes, Daryl Sutter is a coach that's very demanding and will squeeze everything out of his players. But will it work? That's the thing. Will these pieces fit in Calgary? And I, I have my reservations on that because at least with Goudreau and Kachuk, we saw them building for a few years. Uh, the camaraderie and they finally peaked last year and it just didn't work so when i look at the flames i see them taking a fall off will it be will they you know maybe get 40 win 40 to 45 wins this year potentially um 
but I just don't see them having the same year they had last year. It's just not, it's not feasible in my opinion, considering what they lost this offseason. Even though they gained Huberto an All Star, I just don't see um, them re- reaching the same level of success. And also, who, what else if Huberto says I don't want to play signing Calgary long term? Do they then trade him and just become sellers at the deadline, even if they're having success because they want to uh, work out on assets? So when I see this whole thing with Calgary, it's an unfinished story. There's a lot of question marks. Um, and for to me, I just can't put my faith in a squad like that to win the Pacific Division once again. So uh, the Flames will drop off. And the Canucks, I, like I said, their forward group is better and deeper, in my opinion. The Flames have the better defense. The goaltending, I would say, is kind of wishy, a wash. So uh, definitely the Canucks can compete with the Flames this year. And they'll probably be in that same uh, realm, I believe. Uh, fighting for that third and final Pacific Division spot, playoff spot. Next, we have a team that finished with 104 points, 49 wins, one win shy of the Calgary Flames. Up north in Edmonton, the Oilers, of course, led by the two superstar dynamos of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, fresh off a Western Conference final appearance where, you know, you saw the likes of McDavid and Draisaitl flex their superstar muscles. Evander Kane, Stepped up and showed out. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, Jesse Pugliari just signed a new deal. Warren Fogle, Derek Ryan, Ryan McLeod, and Kyle Yamamoto are also RFAs. On defense, you still have Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak, Slater Cuckoo, Evan Bouchard, and Philip Broberg. And in goal, they answered the biggest question of them all, signing Jack Campbell. When I look at the Oilers, Prime McDavid, Prime Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. That right there, those five right there, is a very, very good starting five for any building block. And when you have those two, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, in their prime, you're going to be in the class of your own in the NHL. And Evander Kane was a huge get back for them. And I think he's just, I would, there's a chance Evan, I mean, Evander Kane will score 50 goals this year riding shotgun to Evander Kane. He de- uh, sorry, to Conor McDavid. He de- definitely has a talent, and he's going to get a lot of attention and a lot of one-on-one looks on net, and I think he has a skill to bag it. So the Oilers are going to score a bunch of goals. They play that run-and-gun style of game. They seem to have bought into Jay Woodcroft. Uh, defense, although I'm not a big Darnell Nurse fan, making $9.25 million, um, their defense is is solid. It, it's nothing to – they're not world beaters, but it's solid. I think Brett Kulak is a very good defenseman, a very serviceable defenseman. I like Evan Bouchard's game. Um, Darnell Nurse is the whole workhorse back there. Tyson Berry kind of fits into the mold there on the power play. Uh, but the biggest thing is, look, they have a prop – they have a number one goalie now in Jack Campbell, who I know I've said before he's not a true number one A with a bullet. But if he can play the way that he played in Toronto um, in Edmonton, it's far and away better than Mike Smith. Mike Smith was clear, and Mikko Koskinen were not the answers. Now that they have a legitimate number one goalie, the Oilers are clearly the class of this division, in my opinion. And I think they're Stanley Cup contenders. Quite frankly, when you have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and this talent, and a now a decent goalie, you're a Stanley Cup contender. So right now, the Oilers, in my personal opinion, are the class of the Pacific Division. Um, the Canucks have the horses to you know compete, but I just think the Oilers are a much better team constructed front to back. You might have the, the same forward depth, but they have the high-end talent the Canucks don't have up front. Uh, so 
I go with the Oilers uh, out of the, the, the class of the Pacific Division. Um, next, we'll go with the team that finished in the third spot, the team that kind of surprised everybody, me included, because I thought they were going to fall off and the Canucks would take them, uh, take their final spot in the playoffs. That was the LA Kings. They won 44 games, 99 points, and kind of burst back onto the scene as a playoff team. They, of course, fell to the Oilers in the first round in game seven. But when I look at the LA Kings, they, of course, you know, made the big splash move, getting Kevin Fiala. They still have Anze Kopitar, Philip Deneau. Adrian Kempe, Victor Arvidsson, Alex Alafalo, Brendan Lemieux. Um, and then you have guys like Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kaliev. And on defense, you have, you know, you still have Alexander Edler. You have, you know, Jordan Spence, uh, you know, Matthew Waugh. And then goalies, you still have Jonathan Quick. Drew Doughty, you know, he's still on long-term injured reserve. Um not too sure what's the future holds for Drew Doughty. But when I look at the Kings, I love their front, their front line. I love their, 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 you know, their top echelon forwards. I think guys like Kopitar and Deneau, who are great two-way centers. Uh, now adding a guy like Kevin Fiala who can score. He can score. There's no question about it. Kevin Fiala can put the puck in the back of the net and set and create offense. Adrian Kempe, the same thing. Victor Arvidsson has, you know, has scoring prowess. So I like the Kings. Their defense is a bit of concern for me. Uh, but when you have a guy like Jonathan, who, um, let's face it, or Cal Peterson, you know, they have a good, very solid one-two tandem in net. So the Kings will definitely be a force to be reckoned with. Now, the one thing with the Kings that I feel is, well, I do think they are the second best team in the division. They kind of snuck up on teams last year. So now there's a book on them and now there's expectations. How will they manage those expectations, especially with the young squad they have right now? Yes, you have a guy like Kopitar who's been through it all, been through all the battles and is a great leader. But how does this young team respond to heightened expectations now? That's going to be interesting to see. Can they continue on this trajectory and be another playoff team again, take that next step? Or do they fall off? That's the question that I see surrounding the LA Kings. Uh, with the Canucks, like I said, um, the Canucks are not as good as the Kings, at least up front. And in, I think they don't have, you know, the, the Kings do still have some cap space to play with and they have a bunch of young prospects. So I think the Canucks can definitely, you know, compete with the LA Kings. Um, it's going to be tight, but uh, I think the Kings are just a little bit better than Vancouver as currently constituted. So I see them going number two. Coming up after this last break, we're going to dive into uh, Ve- uh, sorry, Seattle, Anaheim, and San Jose. But first, before we get to that, I'm going to go into look at the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that just finished ahead of the Vancouver Canucks in the standings. They, of course, had 43 wins, 94 points. But this team right here, oh boy, the questions around the Vegas Golden Knights are massive. Yes, you have Jack Eichel now for a full season which will be a huge boost. You have Mark Stone, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, so Riley Smith, Chandler Stevenson, William Carrier, Brett Howden. You have those guys that have been there for a minute. On defense, of course, you have Alex Petrangelo, Alex Martinez, Shea Theodore, Brady McNabb, Zach Whitecott, and Ben Hutton, and Robin Leonard still in net. The problem is this. The Knights have currently 16 players on their active roster and have no cap space. That is why they gave away Max Pacioretty for nearly nothing. 
This team has no more depth. Their depth has been washed. They are very top-heavy. And I am concerned about the Vegas Wilderness because if they get hit with injuries once again, um, they're in difficult trouble. But if this team stays healthy, they will be back in the playoffs. I think they can surpass LA and battle with Edmonton to be in the number one spot for the Pacific Division because they still have high-end talent. And having Jack Eichel back for a full year, people forget how good Jack Eichel is. To have him back in Vegas uh, healthy for a full year will be a massive, massive coup for this team. Um, so when I look at Vegas, they still have some very high-end pieces that are still um, you know, in their primes, per se. So Vegas will be a threat if they stay healthy. And I'm interested to see how Bruce Cassidy will work if this works out for Vegas and all things go well, because they got hit with injuries really bad last year. And if they things go their way, they'll be back in contention for the Pacific Division. So coming up after this last break, I'm going to dive into the last three teams in the Pacific Division and finally give you guys my prediction on where the Canucks will finish at the end of this season. And welcome back to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. So we went through the Calgary Flames, went through the Edmonton Oilers, went through the Los Angeles Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Now we're going to dive into the cellar dwellers of the Pacific Division last year. We're going to go to the San Jose Sharks. 32 wins, 37 losses, 77 points. A rough time. And it's quite evident that it's a rebuild now in San Jose. You know, they still have Thomas Hurdle. You have Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, um, Oscar Lindbaum they acquired. You know, they're in a rebuild. Uh, Mike Greer, the GM, uh, is definitely, uh, you know, they trade away Brent Burns. They still have Eric Carlson on a deal that's very, very big. He's now 32 years old. He's been making 11 and a half million bucks. Still have Mark Edward Blasick on a $7 million hit. He's going to be 39 when that thing ends. Uh, they have James Reimer. Um, I think with the Sharks, you're you're building. You're building towards the future. You have a new GM. You have a new management. You have a new coach. You're stripping this down, and you're going to rebuild the San Jose Sharks to potentially become that team that they were before. That was a perennial playoff contender. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on the Sharks because I see them finishing near the bottom or at the bottom of the Pacific Division. Um, yeah, it just it's not going to be pretty in San Jose for the next couple of years. But I do see a chart at the end of the tunnel where, you know, they will... I think Mike Greer is a very smart hockey man. He's been in the game for years. I think he can turn around the Sharks uh, and rebuild this organization. Next, we have the Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks had 31 wins, 37 losses, and 76 points. Of course, they have the uberly talented young core of the likes of Trevor Zegras who burst onto the scene. They have, you know, they just signed Ryan Strom, Fank from Toronto. They have Maxime Comtois, Troy Terry, um, Mason McTavish. You know, they still have Cam Fowler on that and on the back end, Kevin Shattenkirk, Jamie Drysdale, who I love as a defenseman uh, and John Gibson in that, which always gives you a chance to win. Um, the Ducks though, I just feel again, they're still in the middle of this, rebuild around the Drieg Zegers and Troy Terry, Troy Terry era. Um, also Mason McTavish, the part of that young core. I don't see the Ducks making that next step. They need to acquire some more pieces. I think they need to you know, have another successful draft. And then I can see the Anaheim Ducks making that step 
to becoming, you know, a very solid team. They have $25 million in cap space. So you know they're going young. Dallas Eakins and Pat Verbeek will, um, I think, just continue along with this rebuild, acquire cap space, and just let these young players play and grow. Um, and I think Anaheim has, you know, guys that are very talented and very young, and they will have success in the future, but not right now. Um, lastly, we're going to go down the I-5 to our friends, the Seattle Kraken, or our worst enemies, the Seattle Kraken, who had a very difficult inaugural season, 27 wins, 49 losses, 60 points. The plan, But their plan was to play for the future. We know their plan was to play for the future, stockpile draft picks, um, and work towards the future. So when I look at them, you know, they have Jordan Eberle, Jane Schwartz. They, of course, acquired Oliver Bjorkstrand, acquired uh, uh, Andre Burakovsky. They still have Jared McCann, Yanni Gord, uh, Alex Wenberg. You know, still have Jonas Donskoy. They got Shane Wright fell to them in the draft. Former Canuck Cole Lind. I love Matthew Beneers as a young prospect. On the back end, they have Jamie Oleksiak, Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Justin Schultz. Carson Soucy, any stuff, Philip Grubauer, and Chris Drieger in net. To me, the Seattle Kraken are much improved. To me, the Seattle Kraken will be better than the Anaheim Ducks, be better than the San Jose Sharks, and they'll be there with that same group with the Canucks, the Kings, the Flames, and the Knights for that. You know, I think the Oils are the class, but I think. The, the Kraken will be very competitive this year. I like what they did. Oliver Bjorkstrand is a pedigree of putting the puck in the back of the net. Andre Burakovsky is just coming off a Stanley Cup win with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Shane Wright, I think, will make is the type of that'll make an immediate impact in the NHL um, so far. So I like what Seattle has done with Ron Francis this offseason. They definitely have improved, and they still have a bunch of draft capital. So the Kraken are in position to make a couple moves going forward. The Kraken can acquire more players with that draft capital. And they have guys like Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright to build their franchise around. So I like where Seattle is right now. They have pieces to help them in the now. And they also have their two franchise cornerstones for the future. So I really like what Seattle has done. I don't know if the playoffs are in the future for them. Um, but I like what they're doing. And they will definitely be much more competitive this season. So that brings me to my final predictions. So when I look at the Pacific division at the end of the 2022, 2023 season, I see the Edmonton Oilers at number one. I see the Vegas Golden Knights. If they are healthy at two, I see the LA Kings at three and I see the Canucks finishing in a close fourth. And I see the Canucks snagging a wild card spot in the playoffs so far. And I also see the Calgary flames squeezing into the playoffs next year. If Jonathan Huberto, plays and they stay but if not i see them falling out of the playoffs i see the canucks snagging a wildcard walk and i look at the central division to me there's three teams and the stars predators jets we know the blackhawks and Coyotes just rebuilding but the stars predators and jets are kind of all in that eh, no man's land type area so um i definitely see it my Pacific division oilers knights kings canucks top four flames kraken ducks sharks that's how I finish it off. And that is my 2023 Pacific Division prediction. Way too early prediction. I probably will change it before the season starts. But, hey, what's the fun in not predicting so early in October? So, as I mentioned, guys, that is that for today on Locked On Canucks. Tomorrow, we will dive into 
more defense recap looks for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. Now, your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On Experts gives you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And I will talk to you tomorrow.